this is Charlie Stumbaugh, the lead pastor of Cornerstone Church, Colorado. Thank you for being with us today. Be sure to subscribe for our weekly content to encourage your faith. Let's listen in as Pastor Matt brings the message. I'm glad that you have tuned in today. I hope you're doing well. Um, Today we're going to look at a question that can be difficult, if if we're honest, to answer. Um, but I want to invite you to, to take this question in, to ponder it, really think about it, and see what God is, is saying to you today. The question is this, have you ever found yourself in a place where God was asking something of you and you were unable to follow through with that? See, seems kind of like a difficult question. Um, I think for many of us, um, maybe you're a people pleaser like I am or not. Um, but I think that those that we love, right? I mean, those who we truly care about, we want to do right by them. We want to please them. We want to um, we want them to be proud of us. And if if we have a relationship with God, then we naturally have this longing, this love for him, and we want to do right by him. We want to please him with, with what we do, with what we say. And, and uh, if we have this relationship, friends, that all of a sudden this question of when God asks something of me and, and looking at whether I'm able to follow through with that or not, it, it, becomes, a, it becomes a big deal. It, it's, a, it's a real um, issue that I think many struggle with in life. You know, I know for me, there have been times in my life where I intentionally wanted to do everything right for God, but unintentionally failed because of my own brokenness. I knew that I was called into ministry um, from a young age, but it took me many years to come to terms with this calling. And there were countless times where I could have acknowledged God's calling on my life, yet I chose to go a different route. And maybe you have found yourself in a, uh, you know, a similar situation. Maybe you're not, you know, called into ministry, um, but God has asked something of you to do something, and you have been unable to say yes to that whether it's intentionally or or unintentionally you've you've not been able to say yes and actually live that out and today as we dig into Luke chapter 18 Jesus tells a story about a about a man who was faced with the same choice many of us have been faced with our ability to say yes to to God and our ability to follow through with that yes. Now we're going to be starting in verse 15 of Luke chapter 18, going through verse 25. And it says, Some people brought their small children to Jesus so that he could lay his hands on them and bless them. But when his followers, his disciples here, when they saw this, they told people not to do this. 
But Jesus called the little children to him and he said to his followers, he said, let the little children come to me. Don't stop them because God's kingdom belongs to people who are like these little children. The truth is this, he said, you must accept God's kingdom like a little child accepts things or you will never enter it. And then in verse 18, Jesus, like he loved to do so many times, he likes to tell a story, a parable, um, to really reiterate his point. So in verse 18, he says that a religious leader, um, a wealthy man, came to Jesus and said, Good teacher, what must I do to gain eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? Only God is good, and you know his commands. You must not uh, commit adultery. You must not murder anyone. You must not steal. You must not tell lies about others. You must respect your father and mother. And this leader, this wealthy man, he says, I've obeyed all of these commands since I was a boy. When Jesus heard this, he said to the leader, he said, but there is still one thing you need to do. He says, you need to sell everything you have and give the money to those who are poor. You will have riches in heaven. Then come and follow me. Verse 23 says, but when this man heard what Jesus told him, to give away all of his money, he was sad. He didn't want to do this because he was very rich. When Jesus saw that the man was sad, he said, I will be very hard. It will be very hard for rich people to enter God's kingdom. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. You know, last week we looked at uh, Jesus' teachings or his teaching on humility and justification, right? Those who humble themselves before God, like the tax collector in the story last week, would be justified in the eyes of God. Now, affirming this theology, Jesus now uses little children as an example of how we can receive the kingdom of God. You know, in verse 16, he says the kingdom belongs to those who are like these little children. It wasn't a certain childlike virtue that Jesus was uh, referencing. He was simply pointing to a child's complete and utter dependency upon their parents as an example of how we, as followers of Christ, should be completely dependent upon God. We do not receive God's kingdom based on our works, what we do, what we bring to the table, but rather, um, like it says in Luke chapter 9, verse 48, it says, whoever accepts a little child like this in my name is accepting me, and anyone who accepts me is accepting the one who sent me. The one among you who is the most humble, this is the one who is the greatest. God's salvation is comes not by what we do, but why, but by what God does. And, and to be able to see it, to receive it, right? We have to take a step back and see this gift through the eyes of a child with the same expectations as a child. The humble receive this incredible gift from God, salvation, because through humility, we're able to see that it's not because of us that we are saved. Those who are humble, like a child, know that it is because of the Father that they receive the goodness of God, a place in his eternal kingdom. 
Now, Jesus continues in his teaching, again, by telling this story of of this wealthy man to reinforce his point. And unlike the illustration with the children, Jesus goes to the polar opposite um, direction. Like in the story last week, looking at the distinct difference between the prayer of a Pharisee and a tax collector, Jesus begins to tell a story of a very wealthy man opposite of a humble child who inquires about gaining eternal life. Now, this man thought he... um, that he qualified for eternity in heaven because of what he had done or what he had not done, like through his wise choices, right, that he would be granted entry. And Jesus, you know, he tells Jesus, he's like, I'm not a thief. I'm, I'm not a liar. I respect my parents. He goes to extremes. You know, he's like, I've not slept around. I, I, I wouldn't, I would never even, you know, entertain the idea of committing murder. And this guy sounds like a good guy, right? He had been doing this since he was a boy. Not only is this not only is is he a good guy, right? Like on the surface, the kind of guy that, you know, that you would want your daughter to date, but he's he's been upstanding his whole life. And Jesus looks at this guy and he says the only thing missing has to do with money. And this guy's like, no problem. He's like, I've got plenty of money. And Jesus says, that's the point. What you've stored up for you, you need to now give away. He says, wealth will not get you entry into heaven. Living generously, loving generously, that's how you gain eternal life. So he tells this guy that he he needs to go, he needs to sell everything he has, he needs to, to take all of his money out of savings, and he needs to give it to the poor, to those who don't have enough, to those who are struggling to survive. And what I find interesting is this man's response in verse 23. It says that, that when he heard Jesus tell him to give away all of his money, that he was sad. He didn't want to do this because he was very rich. The man didn't uh, you know, react to Jesus' call to follow him, right? He either um, didn't hear Jesus when he said that because he couldn't get past the part where he was asked to give away all his wealth, or following Jesus was a non-issue for this guy. You see, there's a character flaw at play here. Jesus is not speaking against living well. He's, he's saying that we live well because of how generous we live with our time, our money, our influence. It is, it's that trickle down effect, right? God is generous with what he has. Therefore, we should be generous with what we have been given. Jesus is not challenging, you know, like whether this guy is good or not. What he's challenging is whether this man sees Jesus as good as one who's able to provide for him after he has given everything away. And for many of us, committing our lives to Jesus, following Jesus is a non-issue. Like for me, I grew up, right? I always joke about how I was born on Saturday in church on Sunday. I mean, I've lived my life surrounded by this relationship with Christ, my identity coming out of that. And so maybe for you, you would say, you know, this following Jesus, you know, is not, is a non-issue. But there might be things in our lives that keep us from fully committing. You know, our country, we live 
um, life at such a high standard. Now, that's that's not to say that there are not those in our country who are struggling, um, who, who need help. I mean, truth is the United States has the highest poverty rate of any developed country in the world. But there's this there's this um, nonprofit organization called Just Facts. They did a they did a study on poverty in the United States, and they found that the poorest twenty percent of Americans are richer on average than most European nations. They said that this impoverished group consume more goods and services than the national averages for all people in most affluent countries. Now, if we were to take it a step further, right? We're talking about wealth, but let's let's look at the, you know, identity, the religious identity of our nation. The um, Pew Research Center published an article in July 28 um, showing that Americans are by far more religious than any other country. And in this article, they said that 55% of adult Americans are engaged in prayer daily. And that sounds great, right? The the popularity of religion in our country is on par with some of the poorest nations in the world. And and I say that to, to give some perspective because I think generally when we think of nations that are truly dependent upon God, we, we tend to think of poorer countries. Yet in America, one in eight adults are alcoholics. 38% of adults struggle with illegal drug addiction. 90% of teenagers and 96% of young adults are either accepting of viewing pornography or are neutral about it. In fact, the majority of Americans ages 13 to 24 believe that not recycling is worse than viewing pornography. Like this wealthy man here in Scripture, we in America, friends, we are out of balance. Our perspective is skewed. We might not see a problem with following Jesus, but we have a problem with giving up the things that consume us, which prevents us ultimately from truly following Jesus, just like this wealthy man in Scripture. This guy was the poster child for a candidate to receive eternal life, yet his addiction to money forfeited his future with the Father. And friends, we we can no longer, or, or when we can no longer see that our addictions, our you know, what consumes us, when we can no longer see that it impacts our eternity, we are in trouble. You know, Jeremiah 17 verses 5 through 9 says, bad things will happen to those who put their trust in people. Many translations here, it, it, it actually says, cursed are those, right, who put their, their, their trust in people. Bad things will happen to those who depend on human strength. That is because they have stopped trusting the Lord. They are like a bush in the desert where no one lives, and it's the land is hot and dry and the soil is bad. That bush does not know about the good things that God can give. But, verse 7, it says, but those who trust in the Lord will be blessed. They will, or they know that, that God will do what he says. They will be strong like trees planted near a stream that send out roots to the water. They have nothing to fear 
When the days are hot, their leaves are always green. They never worry. Even when it doesn't rain for a year, they always produce fruit. And verse 9 says this. It says, nothing can hide its evil as well as the human mind. Like this wealthy leader in Scripture, friends, we have issues. There are things that we struggle with. And so I want to take a couple minutes here and I want to look at some practical steps that we can can take to make sure that we have follow through when we say yes to Jesus, that that the things that, that have its hooks into us are no longer pulling us down, preventing us from saying yes and following through when it comes to Christ. And so the first thing that we need to do is we need to increase our trust Like in all relationships, we can increase our trust in God by increasing our experience with God. 2 Timothy 3, 15-17 says, You have known the Holy Scriptures. These Scriptures are able to make you wise. And the wisdom leads to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by God, and all Scripture is useful for teaching and for showing people what is wrong in their lives. It is useful for correcting faults and teaching the right way to live. Using the Scriptures, those who serve God will be prepared and will have everything they need to do every good work. Time equals trust. How can we increase our trust? Friends, we can do it by spending time with God. And we do that by reading scripture, hearing from God through the words in the pages of the Bible, by spending time in prayer, having conversations with God, true conversations with God, where we're listening to what he has to say and where we're sharing where our heart is in the moment and giving God space to move and influence our life. Right? It's by spending time together in church, right? During worship, hearing the word of God preached into our life. It's by spending time with other believers, by living life in the presence of God. We know God and can continue to grow in that relationship with him by spending time with him. Trust is only built out of a relationship. It is earned, friends. Renowned author and speaker Gary Hamill said, trust is simply a matter, or trust, excuse me, trust is not simply a matter of trustfulness or even constancy. It is also a matter of amity and goodwill. We trust those who have our best interests at heart and mistrust those who seem deaf to our concerns. Friends, we can know that God has our best at heart. He wants good things for us. And he and, and when he invites us on this crazy adventure called life, we can know that he will take care of us, right? We can know that he we can know this because we've spent time with him. We've built this relationship and built this trust out of time spent together with the Lord, experiencing life with him. So the first way that we can say yes and and follow through with that, friends, is by increasing our trust in God. And the second way is by exchanging our love. You know, we love what we are focused on, what we spend time with. 
This wealthy man here in Luke 18 loved his money. It was very clear. Like Jesus, he 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 didn't hold back on that, right? I mean, we, we, we could read that scripture. We all know that this guy loved his money. He was focused on his money. It had his complete attention. And the side effect of his love for his money over his love for Jesus was that he was not able to follow through with his commitment to Christ. 1 Timothy 6.10 says the love of money causes all kinds of evil. Some people have turned away from what we believe because they want to get more and more money. Matthew 6.24 says you cannot serve two masters at the same time. You will hate one and love the other, or you will be loyal to one and not care about the other. You cannot serve God and money at the same time time. Now listen, money might not be a problem for you. It might not be an issue. It might not be what it what has its hooks into you or is trying to get its hooks into you. Maybe it's something else. And I really believe that we can substitute whatever has our complete attention, whatever has our focus, our love in these verses, and the implications are still the same. Whatever takes the place of God or takes a higher priority than God will lead us to destruction. Rather, our devotion should be for God. Nothing should ever be more important. You know, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5, or 4 and 5, it says, The Lord is our God. The Lord is the only God. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Friends, what has your attention today? What do you turn your eyes to first? We need to exchange our love for this world and what it has to offer and what it tries to consume our lives with. We need to exchange our love for those things for the love of the Father. Friend, you cannot save yourself. I cannot save myself. Like these little children at the beginning of these verse, scripture verses here, we need to be completely dependent upon God and truly find success in this life and in the life, our eternal life hereafter. We can only do that by our dependency on God, by giving up what he's asked us to give up and saying yes to him and following through on it. What are you willing to give up or give away for the kingdom of God? What are you willing to make sure, or, or what are you willing to do to make sure your relationship with God is in good standing? Is there anything in your life that would keep you from saying yes to Jesus and following through with it? Friends, I believe that when we put our, our lives in God's hands, when we increase our trust, when we exchange our love for the love of the Father. Friends, we can do the hard things that Jesus asks of us, and we can do it with a joyful heart. And we can say yes, and we can follow through on that yes. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are so patient with us, that you're so loving and tenderhearted towards us. God, that you invite us into this journey that you have been walking for thousands of years. And you say, but I want you to be a part of this. 
And Lord, for us to truly be a part of, of this crazy adventure, Lord, there are things that you ask us to give up, things that you ask us to do for others, to place others above us, to love generously. And I pray that today, Lord, as we lean into what you have been saying to us, as we listen to the Holy Spirit's voice, God, that that we would say yes to what you're asking of us, and God, that we would be able to follow through with it today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this story and the challenge that it brings to us. God, I pray that you would make our paths straight as we follow you, trusting in you, loving you. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, thanks again for tuning in to our uh, podcast today. I hope you have a blessed day. We'll see you next time. Hey, we are so honored that you are with us today. Remember, subscribe to the show and check out our website at cornerstonechurchco.com for more resources. Oh,